Hello and welcome back. You're listening to the ACAP Coffee Break with Meg Murray, a podcast from the Association for Community Affiliated Plans. Thanks for listening. Today's episode features Liz Gibney, the CEO of Partnership Health Plan of California. This conversation with Liz is the first of three special episodes of the ACAP Coffee Break. These conversations were recorded during a session for ACAP's Leadership Academy. Liz, Kathy Petway of Priority Partners, and Frank Dominguez of El Paso Health joined Meg on a panel to discuss their journeys in healthcare, their leadership influences, and how they lead in crisis. Here's Meg. Liz, I think that's your, your story too, but do you want to tell your story about how you got to healthcare as well as the plan? Sure. Um, similarly, I had not planned to get into healthcare. I, yeah. um, <clears throat> at one point, I thought I wanted to be an ophthalmologist. I think I was dissecting cow's eyes one week in class, which sounds just disgusting right now, but um, it was very interesting. And I came home and said, I'm going to be an eye doctor. And my parents were super happy. Um, But really my whole interest was in advertising and public affairs. And so that's where I started um, once I got out of graduate school. But it turned out that one of the PR firm's clients they had a lot of healthcare clients. And one of them was a big, um, is a big healthcare system, Sutter Health in Sacramento, California. And um, so I, I spent a lot of time working on healthcare clients and I just fell in love with it. And um, from there, I went to work for Sutter. And at that point, California was just getting into Medicaid managed care, converting one by one counties into different flavors and trying different models. And I went to work for a Sutter subsidiary and um, got into the Medicaid managed care and then stayed there for about a year and a half um, was not the best cultural fit for me and moved on to what was then Solano Partnership Health Plan, which is just getting started. And that's the early version of Partnership Health Plan of California that is today. So we started out in one county um, 27 years ago, and, and I started with the health plan two weeks before go live. So I've been with them ever since. Ever since. Wow. Yeah, just love it. And I know you had a long-term CEO. I don't know if Jack Horn was the first CEO um, there, but I know you worked for him for a long time. And maybe you could just talk about maybe with him as an example or somebody else in terms of what you have noted in terms of the people in leadership that you've seen that have inspired you or given you um, thoughts about how to create your own leadership style. Jack has been a huge part of my professional uh, growth. Um, We did start working together. He was the founding CEO of of Partnership and we worked very closely while he was CEO. Um, We were a very small staff. I was, I think the 40th person hired and we have about 900 staff now. So I worked with him on government relations and public affairs and projects and and you name it. And um, for those of you that don't know Jack, he's, he's from the South. He's very polite and he's very calm um, and even keeled. And it's really hard to get him riled up. Um, and he's just, he's just a very steady person. And I was very fortunate to work with him as long as I did. So he was a huge uh, part of my um, influence as, as trying to be a calm leader. I don't always feel like calm like he was, at least on the inside. Um, I would say my mom's also been a big um, impact, has had a big impact on me. She's on the other end of the spectrum, very fiery, and you never have to wonder what she's thinking. She's going to tell you even before you ask. So, you know, I had two 
um, very different approaches in, in my life and hopefully have taken good things from both. What was your maybe existential threat there at your plan and how did you address <laughs> it? I know you've had a lot in California. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, um, the other day I was, uh, looking back at the, I've been CEO now almost six years and I look back at each of the last five years just to kind of remark on what was going on in each of them. And, um, I feel like the world has gone to hell. Um, at some times because we've had wildfires and we've had uh, a federal administration intent on repealing our our beloved Medicaid program expansions and the list goes on and on. Um, so that was definitely one at the top of the list, a very, very difficult year, year plus. Um, and, and so the, the other example I would share is one of the most difficult things um, that I've had to deal with is major contract negotiations with major health systems. Um, in, in our area, which is uh, about a third of our service area is in rural communities. And there's not a, a lot of spare hospitals around that are interested in contracting for, for low-income business. And so, um, and they know that you that we need them very, very much. And of course they need us too, but um, those those negotiations have really amped up in terms of severity and difficulty in the last few years. Um, and it's very stressful for me personally. It's stressful for the team. We have a, a small group of people who who step in on those negotiations. Um, and it, it you know you're coming down to the wire of of deadlines of having to notify your regulators of having to notify members that their beloved PCP is going to go away at the hands of an evil health plan. Um, so there's lots of issues. Our board, you know, members some of the some of our board members are those hospital CEOs. So it's a very very challenging time, and it happens almost every year. Um, and we always seem to make it through relatively unscathed, but it is very challenging. And when it comes down to that, when you're negotiating these things over Christmas or over New Year's and people are exhausted um, on the team, you really have to just be slow and steady and intentional and encouraging and try and stay focused. And you're really pulling that last bit of reserve out of you to make it across the finish line and avert and avoid your members losing access to care in their in their local community. Um, so the stakes are high, but um, hopefully you can be an example to the rest of the team as somebody who's not going to lose it and who's who's um, acknowledges the difficulty and the stress involved and tries to stay focused. And sometimes being a leader is also having the energy and the stamina to just keep on keeping on. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about your upward movement challenges from being a director to becoming a C-suite executive? And what were some of the biggest learning curves that you experienced when you made that jump from director level to C-suite? I, I can give an example of a challenge that I faced um, because we're, we were, have always been a, a relatively small organization and kind of all growing up together or being in the same ranks. Um, one of the challenges I faced was going from a director level to when I became chief operating officer um, was that I was going to be my peer. Now I'd be my peers boss. And these were folks that were 
older than me and had more experience than me and definitely knew their areas way better than I would. And now I get to be their boss. And that's a little uncomfortable just to say the least. So um, I tried to approach that new position with a lot of curiosity about what, what all of their functions are and just really spent time trying to understand what's working from their perspective, what's not working, where do they need help so that I could try and remove barriers to make their jobs easier and more efficient rather than coming in with my bold ideas of what they could be doing differently. So it was a matter of gaining trust and respect. And I also um, asked for and received the help of a professional coach during that time. And that was something I was very grateful for. Um, And I uh, worked with that coach a couple of different times in my career and um, just felt that that had been that was a really important outlet and resource for me um, to be able to share practical issues as well as more philosophical ones with, with her. Um, somebody, um, so Isabel just asked a question about best practices for balancing work and life, um, especially as your work, as you know, as you, as you go up the ranks, your work increases. How do, how do you, how did you handle that? I've been at the health plan, obviously a long time and I've had two kids, uh, in, in my time at the health plan, they're both now in college. So I've experienced pre and pre kids and mm-hmm. during kids and um, empty nest. And um, it's, it does get harder for sure when you have kids, especially little kids. Um, and, you know, hopefully you have family close by who can help. My family is very generous with their time. And, and I was really grateful for that. Um, but I think, regardless of the stage of life that you're in, whether you're living on your own or you have little kids or you're an empty nester, you still want and need that personal time. So um, whatever it is that you do in your spare time, you you really have to put those restrictions um, to end your day and to have your weekends so that it doesn't creep over into your personal time, which um, you know can work in a, in a short-term situation, but to make it a habit of it really takes a toll. So there will always be work. It's not like if you stay late and work harder, you're going to finish it. Um, It's going to be there tomorrow. And um, I know that's much easier said than done, but developing um, habits outside of work, whether you're exercising or socializing with friends or reading or whatever it is that you like to do, um, try and spend some time fostering that, those habits. It's really, it's really, I think, developing habits and tending to those that will create that balance that feels, that feels right to you. Thanks for listening. Don't miss an episode. You can find and subscribe to the ACAP Coffee Break wherever you get your podcasts. And when you do, give us a shout on Twitter using the hashtag ACAP Coffee Break. We'll put you in a drawing for a Starbucks gift card. So the next time you tune in, your coffee's on us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.